it's Lena here again. Welcome back to episode 9 of my podcast. In this episode, I share the final part of A Year of Living, April to July. Posted on April the 2nd, 2017. Shut up. I've been in a bad place today. Sad, angry, blaming, crying and frantically trying to keep busy. A typical start of a holiday for me. Not fair on the ones I love and live with. Not fair on my lovely children and husband who deserve better. But above all, not fair on myself. I recognise the voices in my head who are winning because I am tired and a bit low and because it's time for me to take a break. The voices who tell me that relaxing is indulgent, that I don't deserve it and that I need to be punished. The same voices who used to tell me that eating was indulgent and that pushing myself to exercise excessively was okay. But they can shut right up. I have worked incredibly hard this term, and things have not been easy. Huge problems at work, interpersonal issues, family illness, financial worries. But none of these can kill me. I can survive all of those things. What could kill me are those voices. Because if I don't stop for a bit now, I will become ill. So now, instead of mowing the lawn, typing a report, doing another load of washing, saving the world, I'm going to sit in the garden with a beer and listen to the birds sing and the wind blow. I might read my book. I might paint my nails. I might design my next tattoo. But I might not. Life is beautiful and I will keep living it. The ugly, critical voices are not welcome here. Posted on April the 18th, 2017. It's going to be okay. Last week I wrote about the need to switch off and silence the damaging voices in my head. I have to confess that I have not entirely succeeded and a week into my spring break and I'm struggling a bit. I feel tired. I feel like crying. I feel cross. I feel like a failure in most parts of my life, friend, mom, wife and teacher. I feel ugly, an imposter, a not real person, a misfit. I am desperately worried about what is happening in the world and the fact that I can't control it. I'm obsessed with dog hair, everywhere, driving me distracted. I have a project to complete for work which I need to spend the rest of the holidays on and I can think of little else. The sun is shining. I have a beautiful home and a family and a good job. But I want to curl up under the covers and to wake up feeling better. I have been here before. I have come out of it before. The answers? Books, frazzled by ruby wax, 
and Reasons to Stay Alive by Matt Hay. Hugs. Mindfulness Meditation. The story of myself. And maybe a bit of hoovering to tackle some of the dog hair mountain. It's going to be okay. Posted on April the 14th, 2017. Bravery and a revelation. Last week I took a bold step. I shared the story of myself with a friend who has known me for nearly 30 years. She knew me through some of my darkest days and yet, at the time, she did not know the reality of what I was going through because I couldn't share it with anyone. After she read my story, she wrote me a letter. She told me that it had moved her hugely, made her cry, and shocked her in terms of what it revealed about my internal struggles over the years. She explained some of her own insecurities and self-doubts, and reminded me that we are all connected by our struggles and attempts to face the challenges that life throws at us. But she also outlined one important difference between us, relating to the pervasive sense of guilt and worthlessness which I have felt, and she does not. She does not. True, she has days where she might feel a bit rubbish, down or doubtful, but fundamentally, she does not feel a sense of worthlessness or guilt. Why did that surprise me? Because until she said it, I would have assumed that she does. That everyone does. That everyone faces a daily struggle of pretending. That if everyone was just a bit more honest, we'd all admit to it. That all of us who share the positive quotes, talk about optimism and contentment, are secretly hiding the fact that it's all a lie. That most of us don't really like ourselves. People have told me before that my feelings are not the norm. My mum, counsellors, experts who write books and must therefore surely know. But I've always suspected that they are wrong, that they're just pretending, that the world is so full of awfulness that life can only ever be about putting on a brave face and fighting the pervasive negative feelings and anxieties on a daily basis. But my friend has shown me that my suspicion is wrong. And it makes sense really, doesn't it? Because if the life force in the majority of human beings was not strong, if the fire of joy and passion was but burning brightly, we wouldn't be here, would we? My friend says she wishes she could help me to stop feeling so guilty and worthless. But she has helped me. Her honest words on response to my writing have helped me to see that there is still work for me to do. I am hugely blessed and grateful. The seven-year-old me was lovable. The seven-year-old me had nothing to feel guilty about. The seven-year-old me was playful, contented and full of optimism. The work continues in getting her back. Posted on April the 21st, 2017.
that's enough. I've had a great week. I've achieved a lot, looked after myself and practiced a lot of self-care, gentle exercise, good food, enough sleep and no alcohol. I've made some real progress at work. There have been challenges, but I have found solutions. Life is good. I'm doing well and I feel positive about myself and my achievements. That's enough. Posted on April the 30th, 2017. Finding strength. I've been incredibly busy this week. A huge work deadline is looming and it's meant phenomenally long days and short nights. I don't like to be this busy or pressured as I know that the stress it creates is bad for my health and leaves me short-tempered and prone to falling into low moods. I also struggle horribly with the voices in my head who tell me that I'm bound to fail, that my whole life depends on this and that I'm not up to the job. However, I am managing to retain a centre of calm and perspective in the midst of it all. How? By connecting with others who make me feel loved and valued and who are able to remind me that I've been here before and that I can. By remembering that it is not the task that is the problem, but the voices in my head that seek to derail and sabotage me. I know from writing the story of myself that these voices are not the real me and that they are voices of defence and habit but they are not welcome. When I was 18 and at my lowest ebb, I was offered a job in a garden centre, bedding out seedlings. I couldn't do it, as I was so racked with doubt and fear. Yet I was the girl who, six months before, had passed the most challenging of exams, was due to go to a prestigious university, and who had the world at her feet The task is not the issue. The issue is needing to manage and know myself, my emotions, my strengths and my weaknesses. By practicing mindfulness, breathing, noticing and writing down three things for which to be grateful every single morning. Remembering that life has no definitive meaning, but is infinitely meaningful when we choose to live it purposefully and positively. And remembering the words of some great thinkers. Il n'y a qu'un problème philosophique vraiment sérieux. C'est le suicide. Albert Camus. Once a person is determined to help themselves, there is nothing that can stop them. And it always seems impossible until it's done. Nelson Mandela. I feel exhausted and exhilarated. A bit broken, but strong. Posted on May the 5th, 2017. Blessed. All in all, a brilliant week. A friend from childhood read my story and was moved and inspired by it. She also passed it on to a friend whose daughter has anorexia and she in turn found it very helpful. If I have helped just one person with my writing, then it will have been worth it. 
I have connected with incredible people via the internet, but also in the real world. Family visited at the weekend, and I was able to share the joy of my life in the beautiful place where I live with my husband and children. I have made great strides forward at work by being brave and having moral courage. I have celebrated week three with no alcohol. I have eaten well and exercised almost every day and forgiven myself when I have not. I have practiced mindfulness even in the most stressful moments. I feel blessed. Posted on May the 14th, 2017. I have had enough of myself this week. Don't panic. I'm not planning on doing anything drastic, but I am a bit exhausted from being me. The hundreds of thoughts and questions that whiz round in my brain during every waking hour are what make me productive and effective, but sometimes I just want them to stop. The physical restlessness in me is what means that I never miss my step count target. The intense sensitivity and hypervigilance I experience means I never inadvertently overeat or let things slip. All the things about me that are positive and help me to be the me who does and achieves, they are exhausting. I need to go back to mindfulness. By a strange coincidence, Danny Penman followed me on Twitter this week and it reminded me, back to the breath, back to the real me, back to the self that is not my thoughts and internal voices and impulses. I can do this. Posted on May the 19th, 2017. I am and I am not three girls. This week, I watched the BBC drama Three Girls, the story of the appalling mishandling of the Rochdale child exploitation cases. It was heartbreaking, anger-inducing, but above all, inspiring, because, spoiler alert, in the end, Wright triumphed and we saw the incredible strength and power of young women who overcame everything to ensure justice for themselves and other abused children. It is incredibly uncomfortable viewing, but incredibly important. Important because it restores faith in the fact that we should never give up fighting if we know that something is wrong. We can all be, and should aspire to be, Sarah Robotham and Maggie Oliver. As educators, we need to remember this. We can be the turnaround adult in the life of a Holly or an Amber or a Ruby, no matter how much they might be let down by others or the system. Important because it shows that experiencing abuse and trauma is not a death sentence. It is completely unsurprising that Holly becomes an alcoholic, suicidal, and nearly throws her life away. But it is also crucially important that she survives and thrives, and that she fights against the shame, not guilt, that has been inflicted upon her, and that she keeps on going. 
After I eventually managed to talk about what someone had done to me when I was seven years old, one of the responses I got was to be told that things like that happen to most people at some point or another. In retrospect, I think that this was one of the most unhelpful things for me, because it meant that I tried to ignore it and carry on without addressing the impact that the abuse had had on me. In the story of myself, I have written, some bad things happened to me once. On the scale of it, they weren't really bad things, and other people might have experienced them and not reacted as I did. But for me, they were traumatic and resulted in me developing ways of trying to protect myself against trauma in the future. It took me too long to acknowledge the impact of what had happened to me. And I can't help feeling that the underplaying of it by a key adult exacerbated that. Child sexual abuse is never okay and should never be dismissed as something that happens. It does not only happen to certain types of children. I am Holly and Amber and Ruby. As adults, we need to be vigilant protect children and talk to them so that they know what is okay and what is not. But we also need to be honest when abuse has happened and help children to understand that they are still lovable, blameless and full of potential. I am Sarah and I am Maggie and as adults we all need to be like them. Posted on May the 27th, 2017. Back to love. I am excessively tired. I've worked too hard in order to meet a huge deadline, and the elation of meeting that deadline has been extinguished by exhaustion. So this weekend, I will rest. I am excessively sad. The Manchester bombing, the stories of some of the children I work with, the fact that my own child struggles with low mood in spite of my best efforts have left me tearful and raw, lacking in resilience and hope. So this weekend I will reflect. I am excessively angry with that bomber, with adults who take on the privilege of working with young lives but don't accept the responsibility that goes with it. With myself, for breaking all my well-being rules and allowing myself to get here with everyone and everything. So this weekend I will look deep inside and find forgiveness. Back to the breath, back to the moment, back to love. Posted on June the 1st, 2017, on rejection. I'm feeling a bit down. I had been hoping that someone would take on my book idea, but today I got a rejection. I know well enough that writing and getting published is a huge challenge and that the likelihood of it happening is a pipe dream. But if I consider again why I write, I know that it isn't really about fame or fortune. I write because I want to spread a message. 
You can suffer abuse and trauma and recover. You can beat anorexia. You can find beauty in life, even if you've been to places where you thought you never would. A few people have read my writing and gained hope from it. That is enough. I am enough. I am more than enough. Posted on June the 15th, 2017. A message to my younger self. Bad things happen, but you worrying about them won't make them stop happening. Nuclear weapons could and might wipe out the world. So shout your slogans and march your marches. Support those green and women and do your best to make Reagan and Gorbachev listen. But don't let the fear take away your sleep. Don't forget that the world is full of peace-loving flower and rainbow children like you. You were hurt by someone who should have known better. You did nothing wrong. You must feel no guilt or shame. And you must talk about what happened so that we can love and help you, soothe your pain and dry your tears. The IRA has taken too many lives and needs to be stopped. But their actions are the actions of a misguided minority. You do not need to worry anxiously about your loved ones every minute of every day. You are so lovable and you do not need to live in despair and pessimism. The world is a good place with bad moments, not the other way around. Let's repeat these words to the children of today to suit their context so that they may live in the light. You are so lovable and you do not need to live in despair and pessimism. The world is a good place with bad moments, not the other way round. Posted on June the 9th, 2017. Taking the wheel again. Things have slipped. I am back in the spiral of being driven rather than being in the driver's seat. Work has become all-consuming and I've realised that I can't go a day without exercising, even when I'm at my most exhausted. Life has become devoid of joy and tinged with feelings of negativity that won't be shifted. Nothing too bad, but time to take stock. I think I am responding to a difficult time of late, at work, personally, and in the world. Nothing catastrophic. So, I will not work this weekend, except for a limited slot on Sunday afternoon. I will have a day off exercise tomorrow. I will not skip eating as a consequence of the day off. I will practice mindfulness and remember the words of Danny Penman on Twitter. Your normal ways of dealing with uncomfortable thoughts, feelings and emotions may not be in your best interests. Breathe before reacting. I am blessed. Posted on June the 17th, 2017. Honesty and authenticity. These are words which trouble me. Because if I am honest, 
I am still unable to be. The woman you read about and support and offer your compassion to here is not the woman I am in day-to-day life with the people who see me in the flesh. Some of my closest friends and family know now, but most don't. Although I have written about needing to overcome stigma, to speak openly, and to accept that mental illness is no different to physical illness, I still hide. Although I advocate the need for us to talk openly and honestly with children about abuse and trauma so that they can live without shame, I still hide. Why? Because I am still scared that you will judge me. That as soon as I tell you, you will forget all the wonderful, inspirational things that I've done and can do, and that you will see me through different eyes. That you will become suspicious of me as a professional, put my application to one side when I apply for your job, and see me as unreliable that you will stop seeing me, your mother, as a role model and be disappointed in me. Because these things have happened to me, just a little bit, in the past when I've been honest, either through necessity or through choice. There were the jobs I'm sure I did not get because I put previous eating disorder on my application. There were the friends and lovers who made a quick excuse and exit when I told them a little bit of my truth. I am in huge admiration of those I know who write as themselves, appear publicly and demonstrate genuine authenticity. I tell myself that I will too, when I win the lottery or retire and don't have anything to lose anymore. But for now, I continue to hide. Please forgive me, and don't judge me for that. Posted on June 18th, 2017, for Father's Day. My dad is a little bit broken. A couple of things have grown inside and are causing all sorts of havoc. And all of a sudden, we are using the word cancer. They are trying to fix it with poison. Once a month through a tube straight into his arm, sitting in the hospital for a couple of hours, and then tablets, 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 tens a day. It makes him so very ill. The cure that causes more illness than the illness. Horrible tummy aches. Painful skin. Freezing. Not able to breathe. Eating for comfort. Rice pudding. Custard. Peaches. Sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. Like a baby. So restful to observe. And yet somehow heartbreaking. But between the naps... Still, his lovely self. Dad. Grandad. Coming for shorter walks. Joking and laughing. 
loving us as much as ever. Looking with those expressive eyes that remind me so much of his mum, grandma, great-grandma. Occasional moments of fear in those eyes. The eyes that helped take away fears. Reassuring, soothing, calming. And now we wait for the next results, hoping above everything that the things will have receded, that we will begin to use the word remission as part of our vocabulary, that my dad will be fixed, that hope will make it so. Posted on June the 24th, 2017. Weather. I've announced to my husband that I want to put the house on the market and move back down to where I grew up. My dad is poorly and we are too far away. My garden is overrun with weeds. No one at school appreciates me and my efforts to change the culture over the last year have fallen on vain ears. The children are unhappy. We've made no friends here and all the people who get me live miles away. I'm exhausted and sad and life is so unfair. The house is a tip and the washing is not done. I work and work and work and still we have no money. I can't do it all. I then hear myself say, but maybe not. I burst into tears. I breathe for a while and I remember. I have the three best, most loving human beings right here with me. I have felt like people have never got me anywhere I've lived. Some of that has been about me keeping them at arm's length. I live in an amazing place. I have an amazing job and this year I have done it incredibly well. I have incredible support from friends I've made online. I don't care how real they are. They are real to me. I have choices. When I was about 19, I drove to Cornwall with my brother and his friends, and the song Weather With You by Crowded House was almost constantly on the radio. It annoyed the hell out of him, and I could never work out why. Looking back, I think it's because it contains a truth which is massively empowering, but almost too much to bear. I could go anywhere, but my weather goes with me. Now, as I listen to the blackbirds sing outside my window and hear the clock tick, the storm abates, the rain is stopping and the sun is coming out. Posted on June the 29th, 2017, 10% braver. Tomorrow I stop for the holidays. I am exhausted but also irrepressibly excited. I have lots of wonderful adventures planned, which will include catching up with old friends, new friends, and some good old-fashioned seaside holiday fun. I will get to see my lovely dad and understand from closer at hand how his illness is impacting on him. I have a feeling I will shed many tears. When I saw him this time last year, I never guessed that we would be where we are just a year on. But all we can do is hope and love. Last year I set about writing my story. 
I am so proud that I did so, and that since, I have followed it up with an almost year's worth of weekly blogs to chart my progress. The connections that I have made through writing have given me huge amounts of confidence and support. I still have days full of anxiety, but the days of despair that I used to feel are far and few between. I love my life. I no longer live with the ghosts of my past because I have named them and owned them. It is 40 years this summer since I experienced the trauma that took away my innocence. It is 30 years this summer since my mental well-being really began to unravel. But in a year I have achieved a huge amount of healing with the support of wonderful people who exist in my virtual world. I am Nell Flowers, and I am not. My 10% braver this next year will be to connect her with more of those in my non-virtual world. I'm not going to wait until I win the lottery. I have all the riches I need. Posted on July the 1st, 2017. Round or square? Last night I played a game at the train station. As we sat on the bench and watched people pass, I tried to work out which passerby was most like me. Not in the sense of complete physical resemblance, but in the sense of type, aura, energy. Am I the together businesswoman with perfect sleek bob and immaculate suit, free of creases and dog hair? Of course not. That is always how I hoped I might be one day, but have never managed it. Am I the confident, alternative, but cool, DM-wearing, striding, bohemian type? No. That would be another aspiration never achieved. Am I the woman with hunched shoulders, badly dyed hair, and a world-weary look? A bit scruffy, lacking in togetherness, out of kilter? That is how I feel. That is how I've always felt, I think different, an outsider, uneasy, disconnected from my physical self. But I wonder how all of those women who fell under my scrutiny actually feel on the inside. Maybe not together. Maybe not confident. Maybe not world-weary. I have a sneaking suspicion that lots of us feel different on the inside than our external appearances and image might indicate. And I have a sneaking suspicion that if more of us had the courage to admit to this, we'd all feel more connection with each other and the world. I read a wonderful blog today by Beta Teacher on Twitter. I think that more of us may have more in common with Michael and Nigel in his blog than we might think. But more of us are round than square. That if we could encourage each other to lose some of our sharp corners, we'd all find the world a bit more accepting, kinder and more compassionate. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? Posted on July the 3rd, 2017. My journey into light. The story of my journey. 
A year ago, almost to the day, I sat crying with my parents and brother at the dining table in my family home. I had everything. Two children who make my heart burst with pride. A keeper of a husband, an incredible job in education, a beautiful home in a stunning location, the love of my family. But I sat and cried because I felt desperately sad inside. And then came the catalyst that propelled me into the journey which I've taken this year and which has been a slow journey from darkness into light. You don't need to feel like this. It's obvious why you do after what happened to you when you were seven, but you can feel better. You just need to face up to it, talk about it. It's simple. You just need to take some time and space to understand what happened to you. Life can get better. And with that, something shifted. Hearing my brother talk out loud about the thing that has hung over me for 40 years was like a shift in the space-time continuum and suddenly I could see that what he had said made perfect sense. I decided to write the story of myself. I got out the diaries, letters and writing that helped to pull together the pieces of that story and I connected them together, reflecting and analysing as I did. And as I wrote, I also read and found the words of four key voices inspired me to keep going. Matt Hay, Dr Tim O'Brien, Emma Wolfe, J.K. Rowling. And in writing, I began truly to heal. Taking time to stop, to see, to realise that all the things I know as a teacher and a therapist about how to help and heal other children are the things that will finally help and heal me. Through writing, I shaped and developed my mantra. Life is not perfect. Bad things happen and we can't always control events around us. There are good feelings as well as bad. But we can have control over our thoughts and our actions if we understand deeply who we are and why we have behaved in certain ways in the past. In August, I put my story out into the world. The trepidation and anxiety that went with that were considerable, but I did it anyway and slowly began to use social networks to share it. And the sharing has enabled me to connect, to be supported by and to support others in a way that was unimaginable to me before I did it. You can try, as some have, to tell me that these connections are not real, that these relationships are shallow, that I'm replacing human connection with false, electronic, pseudo-attachment. But these connections have saved me over the past year. I do not write that lightly. I am someone who could never previously have talked to people in the room with me about the things I have shared through writing and through virtual communication. But because I have made connections virtually, I am beginning to get braver in the real world. 
How many of us misfits and outsiders have stood in a room full of people and felt completely detached and alone? But here, in this world, I have found my tribe. I have found kindness. I have found love. It might not work for you. If so, don't do it. It has not been an easy year by any means. There have been almost unbearable situations at work, personal challenges relating to family, and dilemmas that in the past would have sent me into a tailspin of anxiety, depression, and addictive behaviours. But as I sit here in the sunshine, with just a few showers of my parents' garden, 40 years on, I am okay. I am okay because of you reading this. And I hope that maybe you might be a little bit more okay because of me. Thank you. Posted on July the 8th, 2017. This life. That life. Where you never feel tired. Where you never feel upset. Where your dad never gets ill. Where your child never feels anxious. Where you have enough money. Where you experience perfect love. Where you feel satisfied and calm all the time. Stop waiting for it. Live instead in this life. Where your tiredness tells you that you need to rest. Where being upset moves you into action. Where your dad's illness brings you closer to him. Where your child's anxiety makes you understand her better. Where you value the money you have. Where you love the imperfections. Where you can breathe out all of the dissatisfaction and breathe in and find calm as you notice the sun as you catch a feather as you hear the birds sing as you love this life posted on July the 14th 2017 moments I'm feeling rested at last after a while off work I had begun to wonder whether I would. Relentless exhaustion, no matter how much I slept. A lowness of mood, and at the same time an inability to stop thoughts and worries buzzing in my head. Tummy ache, a sore throat, headaches. But at last, things feel better. I have spent really important time with my family and realised how loved I am and how much love I feel. I have eaten well and not allowed myself to feel guilty. I have walked, swum and enjoyed being outside. I have meditated, written and connected with amazing people through Twitter. I'm facing up to the bad stuff too. My dad's illness, which is breaking my heart. My dissatisfaction with some of my work. The increasingly worrying situation relating to climate change. I know that these are things beyond my control and that in the past they would have led me to try and exert control in other ways to help me cope. 
but not now. I heard the wonderful Matt Haig speak on Radio 4 yesterday and have reflected since on two important points that he made. One, pessimism can be as untrustworthy as optimism. Two, we must learn to be in the present moment. I am still learning. I don't expect ever to stop learning. For me, learning and writing go hand in hand, and this week I have written some thoughts on the week. Monday. Another start, another opportunity, full of hope, magic, and mystery. Seize it. Tuesday. Take a breath. Notice a week started, but with so much still to come. The possibly hard edge of Monday gone. And now a chance to focus, tackle, achieve. Tuesday. What will the rest of the week be? Wednesday. The middle for some, but not for all. The non-teachers, those with Saturday school, the part-timers, those on holiday where days lack definition. But for all, a chance to stop. Reflect on the days gone. Plan for those to come. Wedding, past and future. Thursday. So close to the weekend, yet not there yet. Sometimes close to an end of term, too. But worth remembering that weekdays and workdays bring security and stability to some. That weekends and holidays are not longed for by all. Blessed are those who love both the week and its end. Friday. A day to look back and celebrate achievements. Or forgive yourself and others for things gone awry. There is undeniably that feeling, whether it's the week's end or not, five to five. Crunchy. A celebratory hashtag. Find peace. Finish. And once again, the weekend. What will it bring? Who knows? For now, I will live the present with my dad in the moment. Because who knows how many more moments we have.